0: We welcome you into another episode of Automotive Insiders. I'm Jason Stein, host of SiriusXM's Cars and Culture on Business Channel 132. Working within a global manufacturing organization can be a challenge. R&D, purchasing and manufacturing, for example, all have different stressors and different timelines. Add outside suppliers to the mix and it quickly becomes clear how vital, clear communication and transparency are to the end product. For the many successful companies, ditching the silo-based approach becomes a key tactic for both internal productivity as well as supplier satisfaction. In today's automotive world of over-the-air updates and software-defined vehicles, delivering consistent, clear messages to suppliers is far more important than just delivering a message that suppliers may want to hear. That's at least how Chris Reed sees the automotive landscape. Reed is Senior Vice President, Research and Development for the Americas at Nissan Motor Company. With teams from Silicon Valley to Detroit to Japan, Reed knows the breakthrough technologies of today become standard-based equipment in the blink of an eye. That may explain why he's confident Nissan's zero fatality vision in relation to autonomous vehicles is far more realistic than ever. Today he talks about Nissan's relationship with MIMA, the role sincerity plays in supplier OEM relations, and a bit on the pace of regulations. Chris Reed joins me along with co-host Rich Wilkins of SAP on this week's episode of Automotive Insiders. Chris, what a pleasure to have you on the program. Welcome into Automotive Insiders.
1: Jason, hello. It's great to be here.
0: And Rich Wilkins, a pleasure to have you with us as well again on Automotive Insiders.
1: Yeah, thanks, Jason. It's great to be here as well.
0: Chris, let's start off with uh, the town hall that you had with uh, MIMA uh, recently, uh, March 2nd. Share with us some of your thoughts that you shared with that audience uh, as a speaker that day, and uh, specifically the information regarding Nissan and and R&D. What was the message that you were trying to send? Well,
2: it was a little bit combined, I think, and and really... uh... A lot of people may have heard it before, but it, the, the overall goal was really to show some confidence in what we're doing in the future. And so obviously there's, uh, there's the micro level about what we're doing and how we're learning lessons and, and improving things, You know, whether it's upstream conversations or sourcings. And what I've always been trying to do is get more things in the region, more control to where we're working together as a team. But that was a part of it. But the, and the other part of it was really to show confidence in what we're doing. We know in the past, you know, from supply chain or from manufacturing, our volumes, I mean, our forecasting and things have been, uh, have been challenged, you know, and we're trying to make improvements there. But this was like another step back from that to say, look, we're talking about moving into the EV space. We've made announcements at a very high level at our like 2030 roadmap plans, and then really trying to connect what does that mean? Where's our confidence? You know, do we have confidence in the product, in the processes, and what we're going to do in the US, you know, and North America going forward?
0: What are some of your biggest challenges? related to that?
2: Well, I mean, I think, you know, it's clear that, you know, whether it's daily meetings on understanding of the same overall industry issues about battery supply and not <laughs> independent of even the, the new regulations and, and guidelines, the IRA, et cetera, it's really about, you know, there's capacity issues, but, you know, that's a clear threat to the total industry. But then I come back to Nissan and, um, I think it's just, it comes back to really, uh, you know, showing confidence in what we're doing and, and, you know, there's a sustainability side and I try to weave all this together, right. To say whether it's R and D being here for, uh, you know, 35 odd years and then I've got a crash test center and I've got future investments. So I know I'm going to be here and I've got a team that's engaged. Um, And then, but then there's this constant communication challenge that we always deal with about, you know, handovers of jobs or confusion and cost setting and things like that. (laughs) And then, uh, and then there's about responsibility in the region. Uh, coming together. So it's like, there's such a wide range of concerns, but you know, like we're, we're got our finger on the pulse and um, we're, we're looking at them one by one and working together with purchasing and R and D and manufacturing is kind of the key. This is the key that I've really been following, you know, with uh, David Johnson and manufacturing or Izumi Yamasana and purchasing and, and really, you know, keeping us really saying the same thing, and working together and supporting ourselves, you know, uh, our problems going forward, instead of I think historically, a long time ago, there was a lot more silo-based approach. And then I think that was very tough on the supply base, that you're hearing different things from different sides.
0: Rich, did you have some thoughts?
1: Yeah, I mean, a couple of people talked about, you know, the supply chain and the flattening of the supply chain, you know, at the town hall. I mean, how do you see that kind of impacting? Is that getting out of our silos in terms of kind of the solution to that problem or that? potential.
2: Well, I mean, I think um, you know, we're we're, you know, a fairly big organization, but at the same time there's personalities and there's people that we're talking with. So, um, I mean, clearly the the supply chain challenges I mean, it's, you know, at some point I feel like, you know, it's you you could feel like that's outside of the silo of what we're supposed to do, right? Look, we designed it, it's it's been validated, we know how to build it, just figure out how to get the stuff and make it work. So, that's not um, it's not realistic, especially in the, in the in the craziness that we've seen in the last few years. And and we've never had to deal with this case where it's like, you know, try to pivot and react to something that you think is gonna be six months. And then I remember being asked the question I think a few years ago about, you know, whether it's uh, you know, the the chip issues or whatever, you know, like how how much longer? And I remember even saying, I mean, I was listening to the supply chain teams at that point thinking, hey, it sounds like about six, eight months we should be out of this thing. Of course, it's been three years. So um so it's a it is a mixture of kind of uh, thinking about the silos, but then reaching across them and finding solutions. And you know, in the manufacturing environment or supply chain, right? They're used to like daily problems, daily solutions, getting things done. And then when R and D comes back and says, "Oh yeah, I mean that might take a couple of years to figure out that solution," and yet we know some of our competitors can pivot much faster. So um, listening, kind of understanding, getting kind of seeing it from the other side, is always been my strategy, and then finding solutions together, yet I'm always not pulling all the, all the strings, uh, you know, because I've got a global, you know, organization, I've got common parts, and I've got validation coming, I'm an execution downstream team, yet we're trying to reach upstream. So, you know, it's just, it's very complicated, but I, I guess getting outside of our silos and kind of seeing it from the other side, and of course, that includes supply base as well. Um, I think we can really, you know, at least be on the same page and not be pointing fingers and then looking for solutions together.
0: Chris, on the side of the supply base, you know, you had over 300 attendees at Laurel Manor in uh, Livonia and, and and really that the strong partnership that exists between Mima and Nissan is, is evident. But as you, as you look ahead to the next year or two, what would you like suppliers to hear from Nissan?
2: Well, I mean, I get nervous sometimes um, because, you know, we're all kind of action-based people and I'm not one to have uh, a lot of formal, you know, PowerPoints or structures. It's like, I'm kind of like deal with the problem, kind of Gemba based, you know, that Japanese word of getting and seeing the problem, being there and touching it. And that means that a supplier and listening. So, I mean, um, and yet I know as a, as a corporate entity, you know, we have a high level view about how we're trying to work together for costs in the future and design the cost. So like I, I have to kind of process all that at the same time, because I'm like a you know, reactive and like, here's a problem. Let's do something and change. And yet, Oh, I realize maybe I can't make that. I can't influence that, you know, at the same time. So, so I always want to be careful that the words are not shallow or just like saying what you're supposed to say to, uh, to appease the, the concerns and the complaints that might come out of the supply base. And so I think, you know, and, and obviously our purchasing side has the same struggle, right? There's a corporate direction and movement with the supply base and our, our strategies and 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 things like working towards a cost and and pulling things to the new model and and not reducing the challenge year over year cost reductions, but yet we have pressure that's a little bit opposite that every single year, right? And so then it's like, is that messaging consistent to the supply base? And so I do join the you know we have a a supplier council and an executive council session, and I'm just very sensitive to that. So it's it's like being sincere and real, trying to fix problems, yet. We can't always move everything at the same pace that we want to or move the ship, you know, and we're um, trying to do that all in parallel. So it's like a a message of sincerity, yet also self-reflection saying that I probably made statements of things that I'm going to try to do that really take a lot longer than I, I implied, you know. And so it's the intention is there, but like, you know, probably have to kind of just recognize that sincerity and intention is there. But, yes, the fact is it does take longer to get these things done, but the feedback
1: continuously is really valuable rich yeah i mean how how does that i guess impact i mean you know moving forward like newer technologies and what you're planning goes into on the r&d side you know from let's say looking at like software defined vehicles ota you know things of that nature how does that kind of impact some of your decisions like on some of the futures that you're you're going after you know maybe even hydrogen right so does that well, play? Yeah, into- I mean, c- yeah. sorry, it's a great point, Rich.
2: And it's um, about, you know, we we talk a lot, you know, if you get down to the granular level about the things I'm trying to change with the with the, the way we interact, which is better listening, and then how to give opportunities for new ideas. And if the new ideas are too big or global related, then maybe it's difficult for us to do. And if they're too regional, it doesn't work either. So there's a there's a chicken egg there a little bit. But then and then if I think about talking about uh, chairmans or our COOs, etc., And they hear, you know, they'll, they'll recognize the competitors and software defined vehicles and where we need to be and where we're not, you know, so it's very clear where we need, you know, there's a gap there. And then there's like a fundamental, like rebuild of the structure of how we do, how we, how we do things. And obviously that's the same problem for all the legacy OEMs. And, and then yet, you know, I, I'm always struggling with, um, you know, what I would do if I was the chief. And of course, yeah, you'd always imagine the great things you would do if you were the head of global R&D or whatever it is. And yet the constraints are there the same, right? And so you, you really will probably uh, realize pretty soon that it's not as easy as you'd think. If well, if I was in charge, I would be able to change that. So I recognize that every day. But, um, but still... Um, I think you know we've been trying to make progress and listen and and um, and be more interactive or receptive to information, and not just saying, "Hey, sorry, I can't do that. I don't work on that. That's not me." And then try to be a better conduit to get move the or, the global organization. And at the same time, what we've recognized, if I look talk to each engineer, you know they'll be like, "Yeah, we've been telling that to headquarters the last you know five years, ten years, whatever the case may be. It could be HMI issues, or finally, you know, on recent you know software defined issues or software issues that would be more recent, but." And then I'm like, wh- "How does this work? Like, why why can't we we say we've been doing it, but we are, we're not moving the needle? So we need to look at ourselves about how we're how we're communicating, the type of information, when, the timing, the level of detail. And you know, when you work in the in in the headquarters, and for you know, that was like as I said, about 10 years ago for me, you actually realize how much damn information you get from the regions, and um, you get overwhelmed by it. And so when it's not the right time, the right information, the right level of detail, the right depth. And of course, you know, our system is a very deeply data driven. So you need all that together. You're kind of overwhelmed. You just, you, you brush it aside. So this is where I'm trying to be better for my teams and be more, um, you know, of course, it's about getting information from the supply base. It's about not just reflecting it to Japan, but really processing it about how it can be perceived, how it affects things at the right time. And of course, that's the building blocks for all, te- all these technologies. And of course, software defined vehicle. As a category is the most complicated because it, it crosses across all the disciplines.
0: Chris, let me ask you about one of the slides that you presented at the uh, town hall with uh, Mima, and it was focused all around safe, secure, and stress-free driving and your vision, Nissan's vision of zero fatalities as it uh, relates to the road to autonomous. If you could tell us a little bit about your vision on that road to autonomous, what does it look like, and and where are the opportunities and obstacles?
2: Yeah, I think um, I, I may have referenced this, but um, I remember when we launched the new Mac, all new Maxima. This was, you know, it's amazing how you look at a car and you think it was yesterday, but it's like you know, six, seven years ago, eight years ago. And I remember it, at that time talking about some of the innovative technology, you know, the uh, atten- attention uh, driver alert monitoring system, and of course, it had. Um, Other, you know, uh, uh, automatic emergency braking or other things, and at that now today you look at that stuff and it's like oh that's child's play you know we're talking about such newer and greater things. At that time we talked about the roadmap to kind of zero fatality, and it was an extrapolation of whatever we've been done had done up to that point you know of all the improvements for uh, for uh, safety, and of course but there was really little visibility. Now that's really changing a lot right, and and uh, we've got. We have a team in Silicon Valley that works on it. They, they collaborate with Japan. They're working on the autonomous drive. And um, yet we know the, the, maybe the the tops of the companies got excited about the potential of the of the technologies and, and got a little bit over exaggeration about how fast things were going to move and including Nissan. So um, and now it's kind of a more realistic view. And, and now I'm recognizing that there's, a, there's now another opposing view, which is like, even from a Nissan viewpoint, we got to be careful about what we say. We got to deliver what we're going to say. So this has to do with everything we talk about, including safety and the and the roadmap to, to the of the next steps. And then there's a um you know, there's like a, a realistic view. And I know in the industry they're talking how how safe do things have to be to go to the next level? Should it be, you know, obviously you can say, well, we're safer than a human. Well, that that's a pretty low bar. <laughs> and so uh it's about um, you know, is it 10 times, is it a hundred times, is it a thousand times, you know, more safe? And so. I think that's like a challenge that we deal with. But at the same time, we're solving problems and, um, you know, we're getting to this um, autonomous drive. You know, I've been in so many loops. and I think a lot of us have, you know, to see our, the technology of each of the companies where we can get, you know, we can we can manage situations as well and better than humans can manage even complex, unique situations. So my confidence level is there. The teams that are working on it are are solving the problems one by one. And um, it, it's um, then it, it just becomes that balance between where do we how great does it have to be um, to be able to make that next step. But honestly, um, this is got This problem is going to be solved. And, um, you know, if you think about battery and EV and all that stuff coming together where we're already talking about things that are six, seven, eight years away, this autonomous push at the same time is going to get there. And it's, I think we're just seeing the, the improvements of vehicle safety
1: and getting closer to this zero number are uh, getting more realistic.
0: Wonderful, Rich. Final thoughts? Uh,
1: just, I, I, just to wrap this one up. I mean, with you know OTA and and just the the move to autonomous and safety being kind of the the obviously the key concern. I mean, do you see um, you know some point where you know what where right now some of these things are like over the air and they're updates, so you you can turn them off. Do you see a point where some of these updates? And some of these these this new technology is mandated from a safety perspective. Are you anticipating that?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's an interesting, you know, the way the industry has been moving, and it's a combination of uh, of the external organizations that have leverage to move a lot faster than regulation, and in a sense, they almost can move the, or they they definitely can move the industry faster, whether it's uh, you know, consumer reports or or NCAP or the you know uh, IHS the for the insurance institute. Um. They have a really great power to look at the things that are, look at their own data, look at what is being effective and then, you know, and then basically give us a comparative ranking system. So this actually moves things very quickly, I think, and faster than regulation. Now, as far as, um, in, in a positive way, right? So that we can, as an organization, we can make commitments ourselves to say we're going to mandate this technology as our own principle and policy. And, um, and I, I think the fact is with our regulatory process that's was much more passive safety based and data driven and it takes 10 years to get new th- things through. And we saw that even with some of the end cap changes that, which is not regulatory, but at the same time, it's a very, very thorough process that takes a long time. So I think things are going to be mandated over time, but the reality is the industry can move a lot faster. And then the, the way these kind of outside views can give us a relative ranking, you know, that's a good competitive environment to kind of push things cl- closer to the customer.
0: Wonderful, Chris, thank you so much. Rich, thank you as well. And I really appreciate your perspective here on Automotive Insiders today.
2: Rich and Jason, it was
0: great chatting. Really appreciate it. Great. Thank Thank you. That's this episode of Automotive Insiders. Remember to follow the program wherever your favorite podcast appears. Thanks again to my guest, Chris Reed, Senior Vice President, Research and Development Americas at Nissan Motor Company. And thanks for listening to Automotive Insiders. I'm Jason Stein. We'll talk to you again next time.